0: Hi, folks. Welcome to another brief episode of the Classic English Literature Subcast. I'd like to take a few minutes today to talk to you about the most transformative event in the English language since the Norman invasion. It's called the Great Vowel Shift. Now, have you ever wondered why people who speak the same language often sound so different? Like, why someone from Boston sounds so much different than someone from Belfast sounds so much different than someone from Bincolo... Well, to overgeneralize a bit, it has to do mostly with vowel sounds. That's where accents come from. You see, most English speakers pronounce their consonants the same way. A B is B for just about everyone, and N is N for just about everyone. And that's because consonant sounds have a pretty fixed position in the mouth. A B sound can really only be made with the lips, B, labial and the N only with the nose pitching in, a nasal, you know, and a T only with the teeth, dental. So consonants usually tend to stay pretty stable, though I will point out some exceptions in a few minutes. But vowel sounds are made in the middle of the oral cavity and rely on where the speaker places and how they position the tongue. So do a little exercise, right? Uh, make an ooh sound, and you notice that it comes from the back of your throat. Now move up a little bit and you're making an "aw" sound. About in the middle of the mouth, you get ah. Move forward again and you get eh. And finally, right at the very front of the mouth, "eh." Now as you move these vowels forward, you might notice that your tongue changes its shape too. And none of these are concrete movements. Like some speakers may make an A sound a little further back than another speaker. And as a result, the letter A in the word car gets something of an ah sound in southern New England, but an AW ah sound a few hundred miles away in southern New Jersey. Ka and Ka. And as long as we're right here, you may have noticed that the letter R in those words gets a different pronunciation even though it's a consonant. Ah, you think you've caught me. But while we think of R as a consonant from our elementary school lessons, it really does behave more like a vowel, since it kind of lives in the middle of the mouth, too. Linguists refer to letters like R and L as semivowels or approximants, though some dispute the different categorizations. Accents that drop an R at the end of a word like ca are called non-rhotic. Accents that don't are rhotic accents. So, since there's really no precise location in the mouth, vowel sounds can slip around a lot, and that's, very oversimplified, how you get accents. Uh, Thanks, McDonough. Uh, Why should I know this in a podcast about English literature? Well, I'm glad you asked, imaginary skeptical interlocutor. We're at a point in the podcast where the English language begins to undergo a profound change in its pronunciation. As I said, we call it the Great Vowel Shift. Beginning in the 15th century, maybe a bit earlier, the pronunciation of English vowels moved forward one position in the mouth. Why did this happen? Uh, No one really knows. It may have to do with population migrations following the cataclysm of the Black Death, it might have something to do with the influence of french in various ways some argue that the hundred years war with france forced a shift while others contrarily believe that the continuing prestige of french among the middle and upper classes led to kind of a hyperconscious english pronunciation that aped french which pronounced its vowels further forward in the mouth how did it happen well Some say it happened all at once, what linguists call a chain shift, in which all the vowels got up, took a step forward, and then sat down again. Others think the shift took much longer, maybe even a period of centuries, and involved the movement of only a couple of vowels at any given time. But however and why ever it happened, it's the reason that Chaucer sounds so much different than Shakespeare, It's what changed Middle English into Early Modern English. So, for example, the word spelled B-I-T-E was pronounced in Chaucer's time something like beta. But a hundred years later, it gets closer to our bite, though there may have been some diphthongization along the way. Uh, diphthongization just means that uh, like a single vowel letter uh, gets pronounced with kind of two blended vowel sounds so like maybe uh the word may have been pronounced in 1500 as bite so you get the kind of the i and the a sound bite same thing with the middle english weef it becomes the modern english wife and hoose becomes house of course, there were other sound changes that distinguish Middle English from Modern English. Chaucer rolled his r's and pronounced initial silent letters in words like cano and gnaw for our no and naw. And Chaucer made the nominal ending i o n two syllables where we pronounce it as one. We say nation, not nasion. These kinds of changes pretty clearly have to do with efficiency. It simply takes too much work to trill R's or to pronounce velar sounds. Uh, K and G are made at the back of the throat, where the tongue touches the velum or the soft palate. It's just too difficult to make velar sounds before nasal consonants. Like, have you ever been corrected by a blue-nosed elementary teacher for saying walking without enunciating the final G, walking. Well, everybody says some version of walking because it's too inefficient to make the switch from the nasal sound up in the nose to the velar back in the throat. They're too far apart in your head. So inevitably that G just kind of glides away. You know, nobody says walking. Uh, okay, McDonough, how do we know that pronunciation changed? Do you listen to 600-year-old mixtapes? Oh, no, of course not. They didn't have mixtapes back then, silly, imaginary, skeptical interlocutor. We can tell because spelling was largely phonetic for most of English's history. Sporadic efforts at standardizing spelling had been attempted maybe as far back as the 12th or 13th century, but... Without a critical mass of texts to reinforce the standard, idiosyncratic spellings persisted. Not until the printing press in the late 1400s did we have the technology to create a stabilizing volume of text with the same spelling. The advent of movable type promoted literacy, and literacy tends to fix spelling in place. So, to use the instance I mentioned above, without standardized spelling— I would probably spell the three-letter word for an automobile C-A-H because I'm originally from Rhode Island and that region features a non-rhotic, R-dropping dialect. But my buddy from New Jersey would spell it C-O-R because he speaks with a rhotic accent. So, given that most people spelled things the way they pronounced them, we can track the shift in sounds, in some cases, by shifts in spelling. And here's where literature becomes particularly handy. We can see how words were said by checking the rhyme schemes in poetry. We know, for example, that Chaucer rhymed the words blood, food, and good, using probably a long O sound. So they would sound like bloda and foda and goda. Now, after the vowel shift, we note that Shakespeare rhymed the same words, but this time with kind of an oo sound, food, blood, and gooed. Of course, nowadays, none of these words rhyme in standard pronunciation. So, the Great Vowel Shift was not a one-time event. As I just noted, pronunciations continue to evolve all the time based on geographical region, social prestige, degrees of standardization, and media exposure. I wanted to give this short, basic explainer to you now because in upcoming episodes of the podcast, you'll notice that the texts are starting to sound more modern, closer to our own English speech, and less foreign or exotic than it has done in our previous episodes, uh, in which we've had to rely on translations. So, just wanted you to know that. Thanks so much for listening to the Classic English Literature Subcast. Please remember to like, follow, subscribe, and if you're able, donate so that we can keep this little engine running. Look for the Classic English Literature Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and now TikTok. Tell all your friends about the great fun we have. Till next time, just roll with the changes.